Okay, hello everyone and welcome to, well it was meant to be a live stream, but it's kind of going to be pre-recorded now, uh, to the whole 115 yards, we are branching out and we're going to have a match review of Arsenal versus Aston Villa. So joining us today, we've got the lovely Laura and Megan, how are you both? Very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm feeling good. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> no, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Little floating head in the corner. You haven't got the logo on mine, so I'm a bit disappointed. Oh, no, I have got the logo on mine, so I don't know what's going on. I do okay. apologise. Yeah, just a little grey floating head on mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, we do get distracted very easily, so I do apologise. Um, right, OK, so the thing we are all here to discuss, the match yesterday at the Emirates. And um, So were either of you there, first of all? Unfortunately not. I would have loved to be, but no, I wasn't. Yeah, I suddenly posted my parents, so I couldn't make it over this time. Oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I went down uh, with the Aston Villa Women's Fan Club. Brilliant group. We had a really good day, a really late day. Don't think I got back to, like, half nine, ten o'clock. But um, I have to say, every time I've been to the Emirates, it's such a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and kind of both Arsenal fans coming kind of from that... Um, that part of the fan base, and obviously me, Lindsay, for Villa. Um, how did you feel kind of going into the match? What were expectations like? So, Megan, do you want to start with you? Well, I mean, coming into the match, we, we hadn't won a game yet this season, which for us is, you know, maybe not normal to come into game week three and not have having won a game yet. So it was, I mean, it was a must win. And obviously, Villa have really bolstered their squad over the summer. Obviously, they made so many signings in January as well. I mean... Apart from, you know, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, I, f I feel like Villa are that team that are kind of, you know, pushing us, Chelsea, Man City, Man U. So I knew it was going to be a tough game regardless. But yeah, I, we just needed the three points so badly. That's all I wanted. Yeah, Laura, how about you? Yeah, I'm quite a pessimistic fan. So I was not looking forward to the match. I thought, you know, Aston Villa touted as the, the one outside the top four, like Megan said coming into the season and we hadn't started while well. I was at the Liverpool game at the Emirates and that was not a fun experience. Um, it was because it was a big crowd, but it wasn't for being an Arsenal fan. I was reassured slightly by the fact that you'd also lost to Liverpool. Um, I think that was a kind of maybe a sign that we could get something from the game, made me feel a little bit more hopeful. Um, you know, kind of approaching in similar positions, but I thought our performance against United was improved and I thought we actually put on pretty good display there. So that made me feel slightly more confident. But yeah, I was I was pretty scared going into it um, as an Arsenal fan who goes approaches and matches with pessimism. Or cautious optimism. We could kind of go down that way. <laughs> um, and Lindsay, kind of from a Villa perspective, kind of a bit like Arsenal, it was we, we needed those points. So kind of how were you feeling for the match? So for me, um, our first game this season against United, I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves. Um, we were unlucky not to get something out of that game. So there was a lot of questionable decisions that that um, ruined the game. Um, and then when we played Liverpool, we just fell apart and uh, it wasn't yeah. anything like the identity of the team that we know, the team that finished fifth last season. So I knew Carla had to go back into the dressing room, pick up the heads and go, come on, let's go. And going to the Emirates with that amount of crowd, it's going to be tough. I mean, we went to Bournemouth and we took three points last season at the last game um, that you went to. But I didn't, you know, it's not like 
a guaranteed three points, you know it's going to be tough. And you know that with the calibre of players that they've got, um, they're just fantastic, every single one of them. And they've got a bench where, you know, you can bring one top international off and bring another top international on. And we're in a position where we're bringing internationals on, off and on. And they're just not the same level as Arsenal, not, not yet, because we just haven't got to that level of evolution yet but it's just going to be a really tough game and either we're going to get hammered or we'll be all right and it'll be a really close game which actually is how it ended yeah absolutely and I think the fact that it was nil nil for so long and then when Maz Pacheco's header went in kind of I don't think we believed it because we had our little she didn't believe it did you see us with her face she was like (laughs) oh my gosh what have I done and she just looked like, oh, what do I do? How do I celebrate? Like, oh, I'll just do a Rachel Daly slide. And I yeah. think everybody was just like gobsmacked. But that was, it was against the run of play. And I don't know how it happened, but I was so it was grateful. Quick, but, wasn't it? But, yeah, but it was, it was great. But it was just laxing marking, zonal marking. They just let her, just left her. They focused on Rachel Daly too much and, and just left her, which was benefit to us but it shows going forward that training ground moves work yeah absolutely and we're seeing that throughout the league though aren't we like kind of every team are pulling off performances and like little moves and you go hang on that's straight off the trainer pitch but having the confidence to bring that onto the pitch is brilliant um so yeah so how from an arsenal perspective then because again we've said <laughs> the shock from that header going in one nil up um what was your kind of initial reaction, right? What do Arsenal need to do now? Because like Lindsay's just said, the amount of players you've got, like the names are just phenomenal. So Megan, what what do you think was kind of the Arsenal fan reaction, team reaction kind of when that goal went in? What needed to happen next? I mean, personally, my heart sunk when that went in. And <laughs> as, Lindsay, as Lindsay's just said, all our defenders are going to be thinking about Rachel Daly's the threat in the air from corners and set pieces so you know we've got to watch her not Mas Pacheco who you know she's not even that tall you know so you don't think you have to worry about Mas Pacheco rising into the air and heading the ball into the back of the net but Amanda Illustet completely misses her header when she goes to try and clear the ball and because everyone else is so focused on yeah Rachel Daly or whoever else they're marking they're not actually looking at where the ball is, the danger that, you know, Maz Pacheco literally has no one on her. And yeah, then it goes in the back of the net and then you think, right, we need, because I don't think we were necessarily playing terribly up until that point. I mean, we were dominating possession, as we said, it was against the run of play. But I think from then on, we really needed, well, defensively, obviously we needed to switch on. I, I don't think Amanda had a great game. I still think we're kind of, obviously with Leah still being out, with losing Rafa, who, you know, I don't think we'll ever replace Rafa because she's just irreplaceable. We're still figuring out our best centre-back pairing, really, and whether we're playing a back three or a back four, kind of still figuring out what works best. So I think defensively is where we kind of needed to, you know, switch on. I think Lotta Woman moy had a great game. I think she made some, you know, really important clearances and she carried the ball forward a lot. But, yeah, I think defensively, Jonas realised we kind of needed to switch on more at that point. Laura, what about you? Yeah, my, I mean, my reaction, I closed the tab and stopped watching. And then I realised, <laughs> oh, I've got to do this show, so I start watching again. Um, but it's kind of like all one-way traffic for Arsenal up until that point, like you said. And then 
um, first chance Villa get and they score it. And I just thought that was so typical of Arsenal this season. It almost didn't surprise me. It's just like fed up with it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's interesting one. I think we just, we have this approach where we fire in like so many crosses this season and it's just not working, but we're sticking with it and we're not changing it up. We're not kind of going, right, this isn't working. Let's change it up. And I think the only time we did change it up was in those last 12 minutes and look what happened but yeah and I think I completely agree with Megan in terms of our defence is clearly not settled so far and Ilishet didn't have a great game she missed that header and when you're zonal marking if you miss that header it's going to happen I think my favourite stat about that goal was it was something like it was Maz Pacheco's first goal in the WSL since she scored for Doncaster Bells which says a lot about 2016 2017 I think or something it's a long time ago Incredible stuff. Um, yeah, it was disappointing from an Arsenal's perspective to let score that, let that chance go in straight from a corner um, and not get the clearance. And I think it was kind of right. We should, at that point, we should have been going, how can we convert the chances we've had at the other end? How can we make our dominance pay? Because we hadn't done that. And then we'd gone down the other end and conceded immediately. Yeah. And it kind of, I think the level of play that was going on, it was going to be a mistake wasn't it to kind of for something to happen and um either a bit of magic or a bit of mistake uh is what what we like to say um but yeah Lindsay what do you think after that goal um obviously we know how it turned out um but what do you think Villa could have done better to kind of make sure they held that lead right until the end I think and I'll I'll get hated for saying this I think the substitutions made a difference in the end result because the substitutions that were made and the timing of them and, and the order of them, of who came on. Um, I don't want to name names because that's going to look really bad on the players. Um, but I think the way that Carla did it and the people that she brought off in the in the positions that they were off, especially the last two that came off. Um, I'm not the in, one, just name them, come on. In Dan Turner and Sarah Mailing, like bringing okay. them off, I just think that that was, it was a big risk, but the players that were brought on weren't going to bring enough and with the way that Arsenal were playing where they were just they were relentless for the whole 112 minutes or however long that we played in the end they're just relentless and it was just ball after ball after ball the crosses in were like I think against is it Liverpool it's something like 37 crosses and against Villa it was 50 and to only concede two goals when you've got Daphne, who's away with the fairies in that game, I don't know where she was, but she wasn't at the Emirates. Um, I'm not sure if the, the the bright lights dazzled her or something, but she wasn't anything like the player that we know she is. Um, and that's I love that you went from I'm not naming players to right. Daphne was away with the fairies. I love that. <laughs> Ten seconds, but yeah, keep going. Okay. I, I just think Carla's choices that decisions have. You know, like bring on Jordan, bring on Adriana, bring on Alicia. I just think they were in the wrong order at the wrong time. And I would have personally have done things a bit differently. Um, in Carla, we trust. But I just feel like we needed extra strength in that midfield because we were just being overrun in that midfield. And our defence were doing everything they could to get bodies in the line. But every everything was last-ditch defending and that only keeps out for so long and when it gets to the last 20 minutes and Arsenal just started cranking it and cranking it and cranking it and then they're bringing on people like Beth Mead and Steena something's going to give and we're just not going to 
get there so that for me was like the biggest issue between the 25 minutes when Maz scored and the end of the game that's what cost the substitutions because we had tied legs out there made the wrong substitutions Daphne had a howler and it just all fell apart that 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 for me um it's not how all the other Villa fans feel but that for me is is how it panned out You've taken loads of my questions now, but thank you. I'm ever so sorry. I do apologise. <laughs> I'll edit it so it sounds like I've actually asked you those questions. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but thank you uh, for that. Uh, yeah, because there was, I uh, put a picture on our social media. I was like, for 75 minutes, we had the three points and it was great. And it was lovely. Um, so obviously it got to the 19 and then the big red numbers of the 12 extra minutes appeared. Um did either of you were you shocked by the 12? Because I know we weren't expecting 12. We were thinking maybe six, eight, maybe. What what did you guys think? I was I was expecting a decent amount, but yeah, when 12 came up, I was like, excuse me? Like <laughs> I know that this season, especially, you know, referees and whatever's been discussed, you know, is really dampening down on time wasting, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Obviously, we saw Alex Green would get a second yellow for it. Um but yeah, 12 minutes. I was like, are you joking? But then, as an Arsenal fan, when we were still 1-0 down at that point, I said, yeah. we've got enough time to, if we want to, go on and win the game. And that's the thing, kind of, you knew, so I think we said we were um, on the coach back, I was kind of collecting people's thoughts for the blog and stuff. Um, and everyone said, you know, we defended for our lives um, for a lot of that match. And just shout out to Lucy Parker absolute underrated player like the fact that she's come in and just absolute like we know we've always got Dan Turner at the back but having Lucy Parker there as well is just completely um just revolutionized the team like she's brilliant um but it shouldn't have to be like that kind of we need more firepower um, and kind of what Lindsay was saying I would definitely have brought on Adrian Leon a lot earlier um I think she's got so much more to give than a last 10, 15 minute player, I think. Um, we were all expecting her to start, actually. Um, so on that case, we'll talk about Beth Meads in a minute. Um, but kind of there's been a lot of talk about Arsenal starting lineups, especially goalkeepers, things like that. Um, were you kind of happy with how Jonas set up initially and kind of the changes he made? Uh Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I think I was um I think I was more happy with it than than I had been in the previous two matches. I thought it was a bit more settled than perhaps we'd seen. I think it's always reassuring to have Moritz back and have that like natural um, right wing back because we've obviously had, I think, the cast starting there, which in the first match, which is just not not ideal. Um, and I think the back, you know, seeing Steph Catley back in that back three is is nice. Um, and Illustrate and Woman Moy, you know, we've not got that left footed centre-back, um, which I guess Laia Cadena was brought in to kind of be that be that player, but you can't replace Raffaele, like Megan said, so why try? Um, I think, yeah, I think I think we're just still finding our feet and finding out what does work best for us. Um, I don't think we found it yet, so I, I expect to see more changes. I don't think we even know who our best goalkeeper is, and I think that's probably what's unsettling Arsenal, and we're not putting in the performances, but I mean, we're going to talk about it, but seeing Beth Mee come in, I think it was almost more like a confidence thing. And I think that will continue to happen as 
even just as the formation gets a little bit more settled and they're kind of more familiar with who's doing what and who's playing where, because I think our substitutes are making huge differences at the moment. And I think it's because they're able to kind of see what needs to be done in a particular game, because at the start of each game, there doesn't seem to be a game plan other than firing a million crosses at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, Megan, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, with the whole goalkeeping situation, obviously the the awful mistake that uh, Sabrina made against United, obviously she did re- recover quite well from that throughout the rest of the game. But then when Zinsberg is playing, yeah, you know, she's she's not, she didn't obviously get tested too much yesterday, but she's still, I think she's looking a bit low on confidence. Obviously, maybe that's because she didn't start against United. I would have liked to see her start against United because she's got that experience already. But yeah, as Laura said, we just still we've we've now got that much depth that it's taking us quite a few games to kind of see what works, especially with the attacking threat that we've got. Like, I'm probably losing count of how many forwards we've got now. And obviously now Mead's back. We've got Miedema to come back at probably some point before Christmas, maybe. Who knows? But I think that does fill us with confidence attacking wise. But yeah, still defensively, I think. Hopefully it doesn't take us too much longer to kind of, you know, have our centre-back pairing before Williamson eventually comes back and she'll just, well, I say she'll just, you know, get back in the starting eleven. That's what I would do when she returns. <laughs> because, yeah, Emma Hayes is collecting goalkeepers and Jonas is collecting forwards. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like we said um, in the pod this week, didn't we, Lindsay, just kind of, this is the biggest squad Villa have ever had. <laughs> so it's quite nice actually to have subs on the bench. Um, and to, I think the best thing we can do, especially against a team like Arsenal, is just kind of trust each other um, and to be able to know who's there. And I think, Lindsay, we're starting to see those relationships come through, aren't we? And I kind of think that kind of really helped that defence during that match. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think... Because we had so many injuries last season and we literally had, you know, the kit man playing in defence at one point because we just didn't have um, enough players to, you know, it was nearly Carla, get your boots on, um, get back out there. And it's, we just didn't have enough players. And now to have players from the academy, players that are now seniors, players that we bought, um, squad depth in nearly... Not every position, but nearly every position. Um, I know this week a lot of them have been out with illness because we've got this cold lurgy going around the Midlands. Um, But it was great to see that squad depth and then have that relationship, which we didn't have last season because we just didn't have the players to to have the consistency to build that. But Dan Turner this season has been a standout player. Um, She's just gone from strength to strength. Um, last season she played a lot out of position this season she's kind of played a bit of both but she's been brilliant Lucy Parker has been a fantastic addition she's been like a plug and play signing, she's just walked straight into that midfield, she's been great she's been, you know, really really grafting and losing Kirsty Hansen means that she's actually taking on some of that workload that Kirsty does and, and, and try to make it happen for us. And I'm hoping that as the season goes on, she will really flourish. But, yeah, it's great to see these, these dynamics. But I think Arsenal, from in many respects, are in a similar position where they've got new signings, they've got um, injuries, they've got illnesses, and it's just finding what clicks. And if, if you can find what clicks, then it's great. But having Man United and Arsenal in the first two of your 
your first three games is quite um, a wake-up call. And, yeah, if you were in the top four, then you could think, oh, well, we play these games and, you know, we might get away with it, we might not. But when you play Arsenal, when you play Man United, if you have the slightest weakness, you will be found out and you will be absolutely destroyed. And that's that's it when you play in these type of teams. They're so good um, that you just can't risk it. So having those relationships is really worthwhile because you actually stand a chance. Without them, you don't stand a chance. Yeah, and that's what Carla has said in a couple of her interviews about kind of that unity and that team spirit and that just fostering that and then it'll uh, it'll come on the pitch, the quality. Let's talk about Beth Mead, shall we? <laughs> um, so it's been a long, long time without her. Um, obviously, Arsenal have missed her, um, both from a loving fan perspective, but also from the team perspective as well. Um, so as soon as Jonas kind of did that interview and kind of released the, oh, well, if she passes training, you know, she'll be in the starting lineup. Um, not starting lineup, sorry, be, you know, announced as part of the squad. Um, kind of what was that feeling like knowing that she might come back at the Emirates on such an occasion? Do you think there was pressure to bring her back? Or do you think it was a good pressure, a good excitement? Kind of what, what do you think? I personally think it's a good pressure. I think obviously we've now played at the Emirates twice this season already, which, you know, at this point last season we hadn't. So I think I think at the game against Liverpool, I'd heard a few rumours that she might have been named in the squad then. And I thought, oh, he'll bring her off the bench. You know, it's at the Emirates, perfect way to, you know, bring her back. But then obviously when I found out that she was in the squad today, uh, yesterday, sorry, I thought, you know, yeah, this is the perfect... I knew she wasn't going to start because... She hasn't played a game of proper football for 11 months. So, of course, you're not going to start it, even if she was feeling ready and fit, you know, to play a good 60, 70 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, I was just, I mean, I cried when she when she was subbed on. I cried, happy tears. But um, obviously, because our next game at the Emirates isn't till Chelsea in December, I, I think it was just perfect to bring her back at the Emirates for her to receive that, you know, standing ovation she did. I think if he had done it at Meadow Park, fair enough, but you've only got a small minority of the fans there to welcome her back when, you know, this one, it was televised and there were 35,000 fans in the ground to witness it happen. So, yeah, perfect timing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And we, so we were the other side um, of the stadium to the to the tunnel. And um as soon as she started warming up and jogging up and down, obviously everyone is at block two. That's the atmosphere block. Um, they had all their scarves out and everything and just started chanting. We were like, oh, that's over there. All right, okay. Uh, Laura, how did you feel knowing that she could have her moment finally, her return? Yeah, I think it's amazing that she she had that moment and that return. I think you've just got to feel like incredibly happy for her to be able to come back after 11 months out. I thought in terms of like football tactics, it's a bit of an odd odd choice potentially um you're introducing her to a very high pressure game as we said it was like very must win for Arsenal and you know she's off the back of 11 months but you know what it like it really worked and I think it worked because it was at the Emirates because you had this to be fair I think Meadow Park's got really good atmosphere now as well so um it, it probably would have done the same there but I think the Emirates in particular it just like rejuvenated the crowd I think 
a lot of a lot of what who are filling the Emirates at the moment as well is is potentially like new fans as well as kind of that core yeah. block of block two. But I think if you're joining women's football now, you you know Beth Mead like she is one of those players you know, so you cheer for her more than anyone else in that in those teams. Um, so I think that was incredible, and it really, from what I've heard, obviously I wasn't there, but it really brought the kind of stadium to life. So you've got that extra twelve man for the Arsenal team, um, which I think was definitely a factor in in the late comeback and um yeah it really paid off and she obviously contributed that assist which was just like the perfect like resolution to this like comeback it couldn't have gone much better and maybe if Steena had squared that ball to her and she could have had the goal um but I think she got yeah. it didn't she yeah <laughs> no, I was so close and uh, yeah but it was the perfect comeback. I think it was questionable, maybe like oh, has he done it too soon? But it, it certainly worked. I thought because she was named in the squad for one of the Champions League matches against Paris, and I mm. thought you know the expectation might be that we go like you know five six nil up and she can come on for kind of a last ten minute run out. But it obviously didn't go like that, and we won't talk about that. Um, but I think um, to, yeah, I, I think it, it went perfectly. It couldn't have gone much better. And I think the fact that on the um, on Radio One, their newsbeat section, they were calling it uh, Beth Mead's Arsenal as well. So kind of, you know, she's in charge now. <laughs> but you're right; she is kind of their your poster girl, kind of to those just coming in, kind of her Leah, etc. Um, and which is brilliant to get people in. But once they're in, then it's like there's a whole other part of the team that you know you can come and love them as well. Um, and yes, yeah, so I. So again, we were sitting right in that corner and for some reason, so we were, I think it was blocks 20 and 21 were meant to be kind of like the away section, but there were some Arsenal fans in our block. Um, so there was literally, um, which is fine, we're all friendly, um, but kind of a couple of seats along, that's when the Arsenal uh, supporters started as well. So there was literally, you can see, I think when the second goal went in, you can just see the divide and kind of, we just kind of go, oh no. <laughs> and kind of everyone else is just like, yes, you did it. Um, and just, yeah. So the the energy change when she stepped on the pitch was incredible. Um, and like you said, for the fans as well, who'd kind of been waiting for that moment, I think. Um, but it just completely changed the Arsenal energy in the actual team, those last 12 minutes. Just, yeah. I kind of knew from that point, I was like, yeah, they're going to win. <laughs> um because it just you know when you just know when you're like okay maybe we're gonna Didn't you message me to say that as well yeah i did when i when i <laughs> that i have to say though the emirates is probably one of the best for signal um all the others not a chance it's like a black hole um but the emirates was pretty good so i was actually getting some messages to Lindsay, being like what what did i miss um but yeah that change in electricity was mad um and i was going to say to you actually as well does the emirates kind of feel like a second home now um because obviously being at Bournemouth, it's a lot more compact it's a lot more intimate it's kind of that will obviously be home home but because you're playing more games at the emirates is it starting to feel like a home away from home now do you think personally i'd say yes i mean because where i live I, I live up north so for me to travel down to games i don't get to games very often so i've actually been to more arsenal women games at the emirates than i have at meadow park so obviously i don't really I don't understand like, you know, what it's really like to go to a game at Meadow Park. But I think the amount of games that we've now had at the Emirates and, you know, the results that we've got there as well, obviously there's there's been 
a few, obviously the the opening game of the season and the loss to Barcelona a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League there as well. But I think the games that we have had there, the North London derbies, the wins against Chelsea that we've got there, I think it really is becoming a second home. And I think, obviously, the opening game, it was a record WSL crowd. And then everyone's like, right, we've got Villa in two weeks. Obviously, Villa aren't your Chelsea or your United or something like that. But it's still a league game and it's at the Emirates. And it was about kind of, obviously, we knew we weren't going to get 54,000 again. But it's how many tickets can we sell for a game like that? Because ultimately, if we had played Liverpool, you know, yesterday and it wasn't the opening game, it probably would have had not as many tickets sold because it was against Liverpool, but because it was the opening game, it was obviously like a day out for everyone kind of thing. But yeah, I think I think I saw something that they hope that in the next few years they can permanently move there. And I think there does still need to be a bit more done in order for that to happen. But I do think we're kind of on the right track, especially, I mean, the marketing that the club do, you know, compared to every other team in the league is just unmatched. Yeah, their social media is incredible. Um, and I do want to shout out Everton's this year as well. They've really stepped up. Um, but yeah, for some, um, for one of our first podcasts, I kind of reached out to all the supports clubs to see, um, get some feedback, what you're looking forward to in the season, that kind of thing. And only a couple, one I could find um, and actually responded. But people like um, West Ham, Leicester, like those, I just couldn't find anything in their norm. Like there just seemed to be no active supporters clubs at all. And you just think, well, the community that is around in women's football, kind of you, the that's that's what we love, kind of having that hub and that go-to and that kind of thing. Um, so yes, that was quite, quite disappointing. So if anyone knows any of those fans and they are just kind of underground, kind of let us know, we'd love to get in touch with you. Um, but yeah, Laura, how do you feel about the Emirates? being kind of a second home yeah I love it I think it's definitely a great everything Megan said I'm also not based in um I am now for this year I'm based in London so I'm hoping to get to more games but I've been based in Nottingham so um not not been able to get down much so have been to more Emirates games as well which I think says a lot because you know I'm sure Megan's the same but I've supported Arsenal since like 2007 and I've still not been able to get down to Boreham Wood um because it's pretty inaccessible so I think that's the like really nice thing about the Emirates is it's it's not too bad if you can get to London um like obviously not that often but when you can it, it is it is a lot more accessible um which is what women's football needs to do because I think a lot of these smaller stadiums I mean I went I went to university um in in Warwick near Coventry so I tried to get over to Villa a lot but it was only feasible for me to go when they were at Villa Park because it's yeah. so hard to get to your kind of normal ground um it was just adding on hours, which is just ridiculous. And I think that's what's the, the kind of drawback of women's football, um, playing at these smaller grounds. So I think it's a really positive step that Arsenal can do it more often. And hopefully we're seeing this across the league. Arsenal are doing it so well and so successfully that I think, you know, we're, we're creating an atmosphere now. I was at the Bayern Munich game um, last season and it, it was an incredible game, but even like the Liverpool game, just to see the Emirates, like the, op- the upper tiers open and again at, at Villa, that is what you really want. And that's what's creating like an atmosphere and feeling like the stadium's full, feeling like the support there. I think that's what's really creating a better feeling around the club. And we got that at Wolfsburg as well last season. 
and think that's what's creating it as a home. Um, so yeah, and there's so many added benefits to it. Um, this is really nerdy, but I was at a stats conference the other day and I had never thought of this part of the ar argument, but I just want to bring it out because I've never heard of it, that the actual data you can get being filmed with multiple camera angles compared to like playing at Boreham Wood is so different so that Arsenal are going to have a better kind of data range now, which means that in a season or two, they're going to be like a lot better because they'll have so much better to, to work with. So I think it's so positive for the future of the club as well. Um, I just thought it was a, it's something that's been missed. It's it's nerdy, but I, I really like that kind of angle to it. No, I love it. That's great. Um, and it is so it's how we can develop the women's game to make it as, as good as it can possibly be, because we see the quality in the players. We know the core fans that really, really love it for the game, not kind of for the celebrity side, but that's a different kettle of fish altogether. Um, but yeah, but there needs to be so much work infrastructure wise um, being able to get there easily. Like when we play at Bescott, yeah, it's absolute, absolute pain in the, the bottom to get to, isn't it? Absolute pain. Here we go, Lindsay. Yeah, go on. <laughs> and, and, and when when we played at um, Villa, played at um, Solihull Moors for a bit. That is the arse end of the airport. Like, how are you meant to get there? There is no public transport whatsoever. No. And then before that, I remember they were in um, another part of Birmingham, North Birmingham, and it was just, like, so hard to um, get to with public transport. And, and like Laura said, it's all about accessibility. And if we're getting all these, these new fans in, we need to be somewhere that it's easy to uh, access. So... The road links around the best scot for Villa Park are a bit of a nightmare. They get really congested because they're not used to that volume of traffic. Mm. But the train station is not too far. So at least with that as, a, as, a, as a, a place to go, it's not as much of a pain in the backside as some of the other places. But I know with some of the other clubs, like to get to, they're just totally inaccessible unless you've got a car. And not all fans have got access to cars or... Uh, you know access to large amounts of money to pay train fares so we need to make it accessible but without costing too much it's just trying to find a base that is easy to get to it just needs to be better basically all over and we were saying as well weren't we kind of the actual um stadiums themselves that the women's grounds are usually in are maybe league one league two teams like the smaller stadiums that and the pitch is awful haven't been refurbished since they were built. Like I think at Best Scott, there's two toilets, like the women's toilets. So it's constantly a queue. Um, I was ridiculous. there. Uh, yeah, we could go on all day, uh, but we won't. Um, but yeah, I think it, it kind of starts with, okay, well, how much do you value your women's team? How much are you going to actually invest and get better? And we were actually saying, so <laughs> what I was going to follow up before we got distracted was, um, so Villa haven't actually played a home game yet because it was Villa Park opening, then we're away to Liverpool, then away to the Emirates. So our first game at home is actually next week. Um, so it's kind of, I don't think, Lindsay, what do you think? We haven't really got that relationship with Villa Park yet, like you guys do with the Emirates, to make it feel like home. Like the atmosphere at Villa Park isn't really there yet, because again, it's a lot of new fans, it's a lot of people coming in. And then there's been issues, um, I don't know if you guys know, there's been issues with kind of season ticket holders actually getting their tickets for Villa Park, for, and they were trying to charge for them and all sorts. And it just feels like a bit of a shambles <laughs> at the minute. Um, but yeah, Lindsay, your point on that, Villa Park, do you think, how long do you think that'll take for it to feel like a home? I think it'll take a while. I mean, when we went to the game, the Man United game, there was 12,000 there. 
which was probably the the highest amount we've had. Yeah, um, but quite a lot, which was fantastic to see, and it was great to see a lot of traveling fans and our own fans. It was great, but I think it's gonna take a while to get the footfall through. But what I liked about the Emirates, um, watching the the game at the weekend was the way that they spread the fans out around the stadium. Um, I know that that's going to cost more on um, security and all that kind of thing. The atmosphere is, is just phenomenal um, and it makes it feel not like a hollow empty stadium. It makes it not feel like a Man City stadium. It, it makes it feel like a proper football stadium. Um, whereas at Villa Park, it's like we'll cram you all in to like one one part of the stadium and will sell out to the top so that the people that are sat in the in the sky uh, and don't have the best seats and paying the same as people that are right at the bottom and getting their stuff signed by the players and I just think it'd be nice to have everybody at the in the bottom sort of tier uh, all the way around the stadium to get that homely feeling like you do at the smaller grounds which are the, the home grounds grounds for the, the teams because when we had a, a cup game last season, I think it was possibly the United one in the Conti Cup, and the, the girls were asked, where, yeah. where do you want to play? Do you want to play at Bescott or do you want to play at Villa Park? And they all said Bescott, and the reason for that was it was more intimate with the fans, and they wanted to respect the fans and, and give the fans a good time and let them be part of it, let them be the 12th person, and really make it a really nice environment to be in whereas when you're at Villa Park it's a it's a grand occasion it's it's beautiful and it's you know it's nice to go there and better better showers better everything but when you when you get there it can be quite hollow and informal and it can be like the the matches that we saw during Covid times in in the Premier League that are empty stadiums and they're like we don't want that we want to be close to our fans that you know they're paying to see us we want to see them and I think that's where we need to get to at Villa Park rather than even if we just put fans down both sides of the pitch just down like the touchline um, and not behind the goals. I know that will upset some of the fans because I want to sit behind the goals but having them the length of the pitch will make it like as the play progresses along the pitch like it will make it so much better and I think that that is the next stage that we need to get to but yeah. I personally I like watching games at Vescott because of how intimate it is, because our crowds are smaller. However, the um, the, the car, the all, all the fans and and the crowding of the fans being disabled myself means that I can't actually see the last ten minutes of the game. So there's that and the amenities issue that's a bit of a problem. But I prefer as a pitch that. But I also want the quality of Villa Park because the best got pitch is is awful. I've seen better Sunday league pitches sometimes when we, we've gone. Um, it's just because they've just had too many games. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Sorry, it was a rant. It was a bit of a rant. I'll edit that down. It's fine. <laughs> I think for Villa as well, I think not having that kind of launch at home to kind of get into kind of the swing of, swing of things. So it'll be really interesting to see, okay, we bounced back after Liverpool. We gave a performance against Arsenal didn't come away with the points, but it's promising and kind of hopeful for, okay, it's only a couple of games, don't write us off. Um, Because I think there was some comments uh, about Jonas as well that are starting to come around with Carla, like, oh, get the sack. And it's like, no, like, it's it's a couple of games. Like, one, Jonas has just signed a contract extension. Uh, You're both happy with that, that you're staying for a while? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think I've seen some people kind of, I don't know whether they've said it irrationally or not, but like, oh, he needs to go now. Like, we're a club that needs to be winning trophies, you know, each season. Kind of, Chelsea have kind of taken over from, you know, we dominated women's football and Chelsea kind of has have taken over that the past, is it the past four they've won or the past three WSLs? Mm. And, you know, as Arsenal, we, you know, we want to win trophies every season. And I, I think if we don't win one this season, then questions will be asked. But Arteta signed a contract extension at the men's club when people were kind of contemplating why he's still in the job. So I think we're just given time. Obviously, it's not been the start of the season that anyone wanted or even expected. But, you know, we, we have got to give it time, like, you know, see where we are at Christmas and kind of, you know, reassess the situation at that point. Sorry, yeah, I think we need to win a trophy this season for him to kind of earn it, whether like whatever that is, preferably the FA Cup or the league. I've, I don't know Not how much another Conti Cup will placate the Arsenal fans, but I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I think I don't I don't disagree with the timing of it. I think people were saying, oh, maybe we should have waited a bit longer to see like what he did or what he didn't do. But the club are showing faith in, and he, they kind of quash those discussions. Obviously, there's, there's they linger, but I think more they, they they've gone away more than they would have done if that announcement hadn't been made so I think it kind of just steadied the ship a little bit obviously this is always going to be a bit of a wobbly time with the amount of overhaul we've had in our squad the injuries are still there so I don't think it's necessarily a bad decision at all um I do I do question his tactics a little bit because I do think we're still doing this like crossing thing um so I want to see him kind of sort that out but if he's able to do that then He's, he's obviously weathered a tough period with the injuries that we had last season. I think he needs to be given credit for that as well. Absolutely. And he's just so nice as a person that you don't want to dislike him because he, I, I think me and Lindsay were saying on the pod, like at the World Cup, he would like his commentary, like his opinions, everything. You just wanted to sit and listen to him. So you can imagine him as a manager and actually like the behind the scenes documentary and things, kind of him just being a really good kind of manager to have just like a good aura and that kind of thing so yeah when people were saying kind of get them out it's like no if you're thinking that then it's that thing from the men's game isn't it oh we've lost two games now right see you later like oh you've been in a couple of weeks that you know we're not even going to give you a chance and we don't want that do we We don't want that coming over but he was also so fair wasn't he in his comment comments that he was making and we thought if you've got a manager that is that respectful to all the players no matter who they play for then that's the attitude that we want to manifest in the women's game because he's had a lot of injuries. And I think he, at the moment, is the man for that club to bring it back to life. And like we said, it was it last week in the pod? Arsenal, I've got money. Well, not literal money, because I don't gamble, but I've got um, hypothetical, hypothetical money um, on Arsenal having a run after Christmas once they've got all their injuries back and really going for a push for the title. So I think he is the man to do that because, he's, like you said, he's weathered the storm and he can really do it. So I'm, I'm full of praise for him, to be fair. So leading on from that, actually quite nicely, Lindsay, thank you. Um, we've been kind of asking everyone for kind of predictions. Where do you think your team's going to be kind of by Christmas. So we've got six more games to go until the Christmas break. So kind of off the top of your head predictions, nothing about it, just kind of straight to it. Who do you think um, top three? 
who do you think is going to be top three by Christmas? Whoever wants to go first. The way the league's going at the minute, Chelsea are going to be top. (laughs) She says with an eye roll. (laughs) Might get a result against them at the Emirates, but then we'll probably slip up elsewhere kind of thing. Um, I would like to say we'll be second. Like, I have got confidence that we will be second. And I, I want to say Man City third because mm. I think United have been too inconsistent. Obviously, they've just drawn to Leicester and City have just pummeled Bristol, was it 5-0? And they didn't have Lauren Hemp. Yeah. So, you know, they've still got the players to, you know, batter teams by that many goals. So, yeah, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City at Christmas yeah. are my top Laura, three. how about you? Yeah, I would say the same three. I think I'd have them in a different order. Um I'd say I think I'm going to go for a bit different because I'm bored of Chelsea. Um, I'm going to say City top because I think they just look really good this season. I think if Gareth Taylor doesn't mess it up, they they could definitely be top at that point. And I also think Chelsea have looked a little bit shaky. I'm sure Sam Kerr will come back into form and they'll plough on as they usually do and they'll scrape through the games that you think they're going to lose and they'll win them instead because they're that kind of club and they know how to win. But they haven't looked as confident as I think they have done in the past. So I think I once if we if we come into form around Christmas, I have confidence that we can get a result from that game at the Emirates. But that's a big but of like if we have. So um yeah, and then I'll put us I'll put Chelsea second and I'll put us third because I don't like to be overconfident and yeah, I never predict an Arsenal win, so I have to I have to put them bottom in the top three. So then you can be pleasantly surprised when they do come first. Uh, Lindsay, have you changed your top three from last pod? Um, I can't remember who my top three were, um, which isn't well, very good. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I'll probably actually agree with Laura, um, just because uh, City are looking quite strong at the moment. And I think that they've been quite consistent. And then um, with Arsenal and Chelsea and everyone, like, I think... They are going to be up there. It's just getting that consistency. They've got the quality. It's just getting the, the points on the board and, and and everything. So I think it'll be quite interesting. But I've also got a feeling that there's going to be a sting in the tower because if we've got Leicester and Liverpool at the top at the moment, mm. then I can see one of them possibly having a good run of games and then just floating around the top four, top five. Um, so I think it's going to be a very open bit till Christmas and then after Christmas it's going to go back to um, the top four so to speak and as they pull away from the league yeah I think it's it just feels really exciting this season like it's anything can happen everything's kind of sort of close and kind of the matches that you think you're going to get a point you're not Liverpool um, and yeah it just anything can happen and I'm really really excited uh, to see what's what's gonna uh, happen by the end of the season um, okay so last question next up you've got Bristol judging by their previous results how are you feeling about that one uh, Laura should we start with you um, yeah quietly confident I think um, it I my fancy team this week. This I can't say that I think Arsenal will win because I, I feel like I'll jinx it. But I substituted Rachel Daly out and I brought Alessia Russo in in my fancy. Oh, okay. Because and I don't think Rachel Daly's been doing too well. But so mm-hmm. that's that's my my stance on how I think our attackers are going to do in in that game. 
I still think we're shaky at the back, so I can see us conceding and kind of having a little bit of a wobble um, because they haven't been without their firepower. They scored two against Leicester, right? So it's Leicester, but Leicester haven't looked bad this season. So, yeah, I think we could have a bit of a wobble, but hopefully that will be a game to set us on the right path and still a little bit of confidence and allow our attackers to have a bit of fun. But you know what? Maybe we'll just revert to crossing and not do anything again. <laughs> Why change with tradition? You know, <laughs> Megan, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think you can go into any game really anymore and confidently say you're going to get three points, whether you're Arsenal, whether you're Chelsea, you know, any team in the league. I'm not going to confidently go into any game and say we're going to win it. And that's not because I don't have confidence in us. That's because of how competitive the league has become now. Absolutely. And still have, you know, they've just come up, but you know, they've still got quality and yeah, they may struggle to stay up this season, but that's the story of any team that does come up from the championship because of the gap that there still is in quality between whoever wins the championship and kind of the, the relegation battle that happens at the bottom of the WSL. But yeah, quite probably quietly confident, uh, like Laura is obviously Laura's a bit more maybe pessimistic than I am. <laughs> but um yeah, obviously the the crossing into the box hasn't been working, but maybe it'll work against a team like a Bristol who maybe aren't as confident at the back and, you know, maybe won't set up as confidently to kind of, you know, get away all the crosses we put in. But yeah, we'll go and concede an early goal or something like that and we'll all worry and then hopefully we'll go on and win it. But yeah, you can't go into any game feeling confident really. And say so come back with a couple of late winners. Okay, you you keep doing that, especially against us, and it's not we don't like not, it. Not, not, not. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think the amount of um, matches this season I've had to like go have a lie down in a darkened room afterwards because with a cup of tea, and it's just like I can't. Especially the City Chelsea game, I just I couldn't with that. But that's a completely different podcast. That's fine. Now um, thoughts on so outside thoughts. Uh, Villa are up against. Um, Spurs, no, you forgot there, Lindsay. Uh, Spurs next. So, what are your predictions? Because Spurs are looking stronger than they ever have been. Do mm-hmm. you think Villa have got a shot? What's from the bar from anyone? What do you I think? think Martha Thomas is going to be our undoing. Um, yeah. she's, so good. she's she's one of she's there's three of them isn't there, that's top scorers at the moment in the league, and she's one of them. Um, but I, I really think we stand a chance in in taking something away from the game. If we play like we did against United and we play like we did against Arsenal, then we stand a good chance of taking something away from the game. What that something is, I don't know, but we stand a good chance. Um, but you know, if we're played, continue to be played by illness, injuries, and some very questionable substitutes, then um. You know, they could do us dirty. So I'm just hoping that first game back, big crowd, um, they're happy that they're home with their home fans, and, and and we can hopefully win. I'd like us to win because you have to be positive, don't you? And and win. If you're a Villa fan, you have to think you can win every game because the likelihood is they'll they'll leave you with grey hair. But um, I just just wanna want us to do well, and as long as they do a good account of themselves, then. That's good, but I think if this losing streak carries on, bear in mind we've got Chelsea after Carla's uh, Carla Ward's job is going to be up for questioning, and 
Really? I still think she's the right person for the job, but I think it gets a sort of after the Chelsea game and we still haven't put, got any points, then questions are going to be being asked. Controversial. Okay. Um, so, Lindsay, uh, prediction then? I'm going to go for 2 1 again. To You've always gone for 2 1, and then it's always 2 1 to the other team. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Megan Laura, what do you think? Uh, Arsenal prediction against Bristol. Think. I want to be confident and say we get quite a few goals, but I'm going to say 3 1. 3 1. Okay. Laura, what are you feeling? Yeah, I was going to say 3 1. I think we'll concede, but I think we have we have some firepower in us. I think if we had Leah Williamson, I'd say like 5 0. But... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when she comes back, there will be celebrations all up and down the country, all teams, just everyone, just like, she's back. Um, especially for the England squad as well. Like, such, yeah. such a miss. I can't wait for it to come back. Um, okay, one more question I do have um, for you both. Um, what are your thoughts on Lena Hurtig? Oh, God, I mean, last season, I must have, I can't count how many times I must have, like, slated her after a game. I think it was the I think it was the Wolfsburg game actually, because um, I was in the press box for it, and um, she kind of looked like the only player that kind of wasn't you know showing the passion and the pride. You know, it was a Champions League semi final. I was like, come on, you've got to kind of act like you want to be there. Yeah. And so last season, it, she was one of those where I was like, you know, if she gets sold in the summer, I'm not going to be mad about it. But then. She scores the penalty to knock America out of the World Cup, and yeah, I because <laughs> I I was lucky enough to go out to Australia, and I was actually at that game where she oh, scored, and obviously it didn't look like it had gone over, so it took so long for them to actually say, "Yeah, that that's gone in." You know, you scored that penalty to knock them out, mm-hmm. and I do think she's improved. I think when she's you know played this season, I do think she's improved. I don't quite know still what Jonas wants her role to be in the squad because she doesn't start enough games for me to say, you know, she's going to be a regular starter in the future. But I do think she is a good threat to have off the bench. But I don't think she's quite as effective as when we bring like Chloe Lacasse off, obviously the pace that she's got on stuff and when Palova comes off the bench as well. But, you know, she could surprise us this season and have some really good performances. Yeah, because I spent last season banging on about her, being like, I watched her at Juventus, she's really good. Um, I bought a shirt with her name on the back, like Arsenal shirt with her name on the back. I was like, yeah, um, she's actually signed it and I got her shirt off uh, the last season. It was great. Um, and I was like, yeah, she's got potential. Everyone else, slating her. Thank you, Megan. Um, and I was just like, they, they can't see her potential, merely because she wasn't playing and then she was injured, which also didn't help. And then she scored that penalty. And then came back and I was like, she's got confidence again and she's smiling and she's so happy. And I was like, right, okay. And then she hasn't really played for a while. And it's kind of like, okay, Jonas, she's got potential. And kind of, if you are, you've got so much squad depth. So I know it's hard to kind of rotate and get kind of who works well with who. But I think there's still a bit of favoritism as it would be, kind of who does start and who gets more minutes and stuff. So fingers crossed, she does get more minutes. Uh, Laura, what do you think of her? Have you got an opinion? Yeah, I just I love her just for the vibes. Like I think she's just such a like so chill. I think she's become a bit of a meme in Arsenal, like because she doesn't start and because she was kind of slated last season and then she does like the most like 
iconic thing in knocking the US out after having like a really poor season and coming on as a substitute. She had a pretty good World Cup when she came on as a sub, to be fair. But um, yeah, she hadn't like, she hadn't completely, completely shone. And then she does that. Um, I just thought it was really funny. I think she played a really, her role really well in the World Cup. And I think maybe if we could use her, something like that. I think the issue is that she'd come on as a sub. I mean, she's obviously reasonably fast. But she has a bit of a strange running style, which also doesn't add to the kind of like she's got really long legs, doesn't she? Like yeah. quite I think that's why she doesn't always look like she's trying because it, it's not how you'd see everyone else kind of sprint for the ball. But I think she is. Um, but she's she's almost that aerial presence. But Arsenal seem to just revert to the stick Gem Beatty up front for that, which she does particularly well. But it's almost like we've got that answer. So yeah, I think it's trying to find her place in the squad. I like her. Um but yeah, we, we just haven't seen enough of her at Arsenal, I think. Yeah, it's how to put her in kind of WSL mode, isn't it? And kind of get her in the team and get her in the best position. Um, Lindsay, I can see you're unmuted. Are you going to put anything in there? I was just going to say she runs a bit like a giraffe, doesn't she, bless her? Um, with their legs. Legs. Four legs, um, yeah, I can see that. Okay. I just think, I think it's a big thing last season. Her confidence was so low. And she moved to a new country. She moves her family over here. She's not... Um, she does her own thing. She's not like a big party girl. Like she's not that type of vibe. Mm. And I just, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I just think that it's made it harder for her to settle in. Um, and I just hope that this season she can find her confidence. And hopefully when Arsenal are, are consistent and they've got all their injuries back, all their ACL, team ACL, sorry, are back from injuries, then I'm hoping that there'll be a place for her. And if not, I'm hoping that they sell her so that she can go somewhere where she will get the opportunity to shine because there's a good yeah. player in there. I just think that maybe she was bought with the intention of Viv moving on, a few others moving on, and then they stayed. And then it's like, well, we've got two players for the same position and who do we play? And when you've got someone like Viv versus some somebody else, it's always going to be Viv that's going to get picked. So I just hope that she goes somewhere where they appreciate her. Um, we always say Leon, don't we? <laughs> when we're getting rid of players, where should we go? Send them Leon. Send them to Leon. That'll be fine. But I, yeah. but I just hope that she does well because there's a good player in there and she wants to do well, but she just needs someone like Carla Ward who's going to take a chance on her, nurture her. And build her up. I don't think she's physical. I don't think she's physically strong enough to play sort of for us. But she needs a manager like Carla, who's going to nurture her and, and bring the best out in her. At the moment, she's so low on confidence, it shows. Thank you very much to you both for joining us. It's been absolutely lovely. It's been lovely to meet you. Um, and hopefully, when we play the reverse fixture, uh, we might get you on again at some point. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you to everyone for watching. Um, I will see you again soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.